Ephesians chapter 3. So, um, actually, I'm going to do it. We're going to start a book study, at least I think, and I'm going to, we're going to do the book of Genesis. Um, it's a, a pretty interesting book. A lot of pe- it's attacked, right, <laughs> a lot. Uh, uh, it, it's under continuous attack. But the reason I want to do it is uh, uh, I'm going to start here in Ephesians because a, a, a good grasp of the book of Genesis will help us understand what really God's doing today. For instance, the, the issue of the fall of man's in the book of Genesis, right? And so what's the, you know, you know what, what's the will of God that all men to be saved, right? Okay, and, and, and come to knowledge of the truth, right? So there's, there's two aspects to it, but God, you know, there's a, there's a central piece. Well, why didn't he save? Well, because there's a problem, and that problem is first demonstrated back in the book of Genesis, right? But I also think <coughs> that a real understanding, a good understanding, I was just talking to Aaron about this a couple of days ago, um, a really good understanding of the book of, of, of Genesis will help us understand why the mystery, right? Why is what, God, what God's doing today called the mystery? Why is it that God keep it, kept it secret? And the reason is there's a bigger picture, and I've, I've talked about this a lot with you guys, there's a bigger picture about reality than what we do on a day-to-day basis, right? There's a, there's a conflict, there's something going on in, a, in an angelic realm, right? And the book of Genesis shows that, if you really read it the way I think you read it, literally, right? You don't put in what you think. You just look at what it says and, and then think about it, okay? And you, you will see some things. But anyway, so, but, so, so here's some things. Here's the book. Of, so I'm going to look at the book of Ephesians here. And I just want to just show you what Paul says here. All right. And then we'll go back to the book of Genesis. So in Ephesians 3, verse 1, it says, For this cause I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ for you Gentiles, if you've heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which has given me to you, word. Paul says, I have a special revelation. This, this, I have this this information that, this, about this, the grace of God, this, you know, this dispensation, this, this, this period of time, this, uh, this economy, where, you know, how things operate. They operate under grace today, right? The grace of God, this dispensation. Paul says, it was given to me, to you. So it was given to me, and I got to give it to you, right? Verse 3, what is it? Well, how, you know, he says this, how that by revelation. I didn't read it. I didn't find it somewhere. You know, God, you know, Jesus Christ revealed it to him. He, by Jesus Christ, made known unto me, Paul, what? The mystery, all right? This mystery, the secret that God kept secret, but now he's revealing. That's the sort of the definition that Paul gives for it. He says, and he says, and he says in verse 3, continue, he says, I also wrote before in a few words. So I talked about this before with you guys before. Whereby when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ, right? The secret, you know, Christ's secret, all right? Something was kept secret. Notice this, verse 5, which in other ages, you know, you won't find in the book of Genesis. Okay, you're not going to find the mystery there. What I'm going to show you is the context why the mystery is, all right? You know, why the mystery? Which in other ages was not made under the sons of men, as it is now revealed under his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. God's revealing it now. And what is that? Verse 6, that the Gentiles, okay, should be fellow heirs and of the same body, and partakers of his promise in Christ by the gospel. So by the means of the gospel, we are partakers of his promise, you know, the promise for the future of of members of the body of Christ. We're in the same body, 
and, and we're fellow heirs all right, with Christ. We're also fellow heirs with Jews and Gentiles. That's what it means about being the same body. Jews and Gentiles, same body. Not that we've replaced Israel, but today there's no difference between Jews and Gentiles. Christ looks down and sees people. He sees individuals. You're either in Christ or you're not in Christ. You're either saved or you're lost. You're either a believer in what Christ has done and trusted in what he's done or you have not. You're either on your way to, or you're, you're, you're seated in the heavenlies, as what Paul says, or you're on the road to hell. That's it. You're either under the, uh, you're under the power and the working of the Holy Spirit, or you're under the power of darkness. You're either in the, you know, you're either translated into the kingdom of his dear son, or you're under the power of darkness. That's it. It's, it's black and white, okay? It's one or the other. And Paul says, you know, I've been given this information, this mystery that God kept secret. And the question you, know, you always ask, you know, I, I, people ask is why, why secret? Well, Paul says a little over, you know, elsewhere in 1 Corinthians, it was kept secret because if the princes of this world, if those who run the show of this world had known what was going to happen because of the cross, they would have never crucified the Lord of glory, right? The question is, who are the princes of this world? It's Satan, the devil, and his angels, right? Okay, so there is a strong relationship to the mystery of the mystery with understanding what's happening, that there is another story behind the scenes that's driving what God has done. It's not, just, I mean, you know, it's not that just, you know, it's true. Adam sinned, and that sin has come upon all of us, and we need to be delivered from that. But there's a larger piece to that, a bigger picture that we need to see, and that's where the mystery. And I think not understanding this is why so many folks sort of are, are, are happy just to accept grace and live by grace and not understand the rest of the things. You know, understand why you need to stand for the Pauline revelation, a Pauline understanding of scriptures, the mystery, understanding the bigger picture. There's a lot of churches that, that you know, people are saved by grace. They did preach a clear gospel, right? But why out to in a Bible church? Why stand on this truth? Well, because you don't understand why. And so if you don't understand why, how do you explain it to your kids or their kids' kids or, or your neighbors? All right, you know, what, what's the deal? And, and, and they'll never, you know, never really understand things. Book of Ephesians, keeps on going down here. So here's, you know, here is, you know, Ephesians 3 is where Paul sort of gives you the, the, the heart and soul of the mystery, which is the body of Christ, Right? Paul says in verse 7, continue, whereof I am all, was made a minister according to the gift of the grace of God, given unto me by the effectual working of his power. God gave it to me. It's his power working in me, all right? And I'm a minister. I'm a servant, right? And he, he says that in every, almost every one of his epistles, right? I'm a servant of Jesus Christ. I'm a prisoner of Jesus Christ, right? Verse 8, unto me, who am less than, am, you know, who am less than the least of all saints. Why does Paul say that? I'm the less... I'm, I'm the least of all saints. Why does he say that? Persecuted the church. He persecuted the church. He says, he's, he says you know, I'm, a, I'm, the, I'm, the, I'm, I'm the worst of sinners, right? Okay. You know, he, he, he says, you know, I, I, you know I, I was killing Christians, believers, right? Not members of the body of Christ, right? Because they weren't, wasn't there yet then, right? But the, the Jewish kingdom church, he was persecuting. They were the ones called Christians, by the way, to start. Right? They were first called Christians, right? followers of Christ. All right? 
Verse 18, who, who, unto me who am less than the least of all saints, is this grace given, this favor that God has given me? And this favor came with a lot of weight and came with a lot of, you know, uh, problems, right? This is the gift that keeps giving, and you don't know what it keeps giving, right? Right? But it's saving people, right? So it's grace that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ, right? You can dig and dig and dig, and you'll never never uncover all the riches of Christ. I know some folks want to make that, you can't find the Old Testament, that's true, true. But it's more than that, right? It's the depth of all that Christ has done for us, right? You will never exhaust it, right? In fact, Ephesians 2 says that. We're going to look at another, throughout, you know, he's going to show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness towards us throughout all eternity. You know, every day, it will be better than the day before. Now, it's, we sing a song like that, right? And that's a truth, okay, in, in eternity. You will never look back in eternity and say, like, wow, do you remember how amazing, I mean, you can remember, how amazing it was 32 million years ago, back on that day, we were all together, blah, blah, blah. Because you never have to, because this day is so amazing that that day is sort of like, okay, another amazing day, right? Okay. You'll never look back in this life and think, wow, I really had a rough time getting here. Because the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Meaning that you're not even going to, it's going to be, I mean, you can think about it, you can remember it, but you're not going to compare it. You're going to say like, wow, I really had a tough time. It's just the glory of the things in Christ are just beyond that. Keep looking here, it says. Verse 9, and so Paul says, and, I, and here's something, I, this is what I'm made to do. And to make, this is his, his driving purpose. And to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery? And by the way, that's not see the mystery. It's not enough just to show people the truth of what God's doing today. It's about the fellowship of the mystery. It's, the, it's, the, it's, work, it's how the body of Christ functions according to what's going on. Today. The love of Christ in us, right, shed abroad so that we can share and not be ashamed of what God has done. Living the life that God's called us to do. By the way, that's what it means to have the knowledge of the truth. That is, you know, Jesus Christ working us. Who is the truth? Christ is the truth. I know we, you know, you know 2 Timothy 2.15 says, we, we, some people think it's the mystery, but I want to think about this. What's 2 Timothy 2.15 say? Study. Study. To show ourselves approved unto God, a workman that need not be shaped, rightly dividing the word of truth. It's the truth's word. He's the truth. It's Jesus Christ. It's to study His, what God's done today. It's the preaching of Jesus Christ according to Revelation, the mystery, Romans 16. That's, you know, but, but Paul says it's about the fellowship, of how we all live together, to make all men see that. From the fellowship ministry, and he reiterates this, which from the beginning of the world, which is we're going to go back to the book of Genesis, right? Which from the beginning of the world has been hid, what, where? In God, who, again, Genesis 1, created all things by Jesus Christ, right? All right, so, so far we have this sort of picture. It's just, okay, we've taken it back to this, this part here, but we have this picture of what God's doing today, this mystery. God kept it secret, didn't let anybody else know about it. He's now revealing it in this day, all right? And, and, and we know in time past that, you know, at least when it comes to the, the world, nobody knew about it. But notice verse 10 says, to the intent, for the purpose, What's the purpose of all this? Well, to the intent, there's a bigger piece. To the intent that now, under the principalities and powers where? 
in heavenly places might be made known by who? The church, the church, the body of Christ, you and I, what? The manifold wisdom of God. You know, there's a bigger piece, okay? And, and, and the mystery has that bigger piece in it. And we focus, I mean, I, and rightly so, we focus on the stuff that deals with us, right? But there's more to it. There's a bigger piece to understand that God's intentions right now as a church lives out its life, right? You know, as we are a loving church. You know, look at, hold your place right there and go to 1 Corinthians, or maybe it's 2 Corinthians. Uh, 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 13. I think that's where I want you to go, yeah. 2 Corinthians 13, verse 11. Here's the perfect church. Here's the prescription for, you, you want a church that is what it ought to be? Here's, here is in one passage. It's like a doxology, but it's not, right? It's, it's a final statement Paul makes at the Corinthian church. 2 Corinthians 13, verse 11. When um, Aaron went out to uh, Wisconsin, start, you know, that, his first day out there, um, I got to preach to the congregation. So, so Aaron was there, and it was his first day, and he didn't preach. I preached. It was weird. Okay, but I preached, all right? I preached on this passage, all right? This, this verse. I preached a whole bunch of other stuff, but this is the summation. 2 Corinthians 13, verse 11. Finally, brethren, what? Farewell. Okay, now, farewell is not saying goodbye. Farewell means do things good. Farewell. Do things in a good way, right? Farewell. Be perfect. Be mature. So here, believe, you know, so Paul, this, this is the fellowship of the mystery, right? Be perfect. Be of good comfort. You know, love your, love your friends, love your neighbors, love, your, love your, uh, your cohorts, everybody you're around, right? Be of what? One mind. You know, you, you know, by the way, be means to exist as, right? So this should be the normal activity of, of, the, of this church, right? Congregation. Be of one mind. Live in peace, you know? You know, some, you know, Colossians 3, you know, go Romans 12. Take a look what it says, right? Okay. If you have a problem with somebody, you know, as much as lies in you, right? But if you can't, separate, but live in peace. And, and, and it says this, and the God of love and peace, what? Shall be with you, right? That's not the love of God and the peace of God. That's the God of love and peace. The persona of God is manifested in a, in a, amongst you. That means people walk into your congregation or into your church and they will see Christ, right? They'll see love, they'll see peace, and they'll see Christ. They'll see Christ in you, which is the hope of glory. That's a perfect church, okay? Book of Ephesians takes that beyond and says that perfect church shows to the rest of the universe the principalities and powers in heavenly places. It shows rest church, the manifold wisdom of God. It's showing them who God is in a different way. God has another part to the story, and the mystery is part of that. It's bigger than this earth, and you know that. Where's your hope? Go back to Ephesians, Ephesians 2. Ephesians 1. And I don't know where I want to go. Let's go to Ephesians, uh, yeah, Ephesians 1. Go there. I've got to take you all through Ephesians real quick. Before I do the book of Genesis, which we're going to do a book study, I want to try to give you an understanding of where at least the first I know, half of the book of Genesis really has a lot, the first half, first eight chapters, have a lot to do with uh, 
actually the whole way to the flood has a lot. You, know, you can see stuff that relates to uh, the body of, or, uh, well, why the mystery, as I guess what I'm saying, right? Ephesians 1, verse 9 says, Having made known unto us, this is the, you know, this, this, this book, this, this powerful, you know, book of Ephesians is considered like, you know, here's, here's the, you know, here's the blessings of the church, right? Here's the purpose of the church, all right? Well, notice that the purpose of the church is related to the heavenlies, obviously, where we're going to go, but why, all right? Well, it's because of the bigger picture. There's some problems there, right? We're going to see that. Ephesians 1, verse 9. Having made known unto us the what? Mystery of his will. We now know the secret purpose of God's will. The mystery reveals the truth that God never shared. He kept it in his heart. Ever have a secret? Well, it's, it's a secret until you tell somebody, right? right? So you tell one person, it's no longer a secret, right? Well, God never shared with anybody. He had a secret purpose to his will. He revealed a bunch of stuff. You can read, you know, Genesis 1 told Adam, you go forth and, you know, subdue and replenish the earth, right? Then he told Noah something, and he told, just kept adding it, right? Abraham, right? Isaac, you know, Jacob, right? Israel onward, right? David, it keeps revealing stuff, all right? He revealed all those things, but this was a secret. We now know the secret purpose of the world, do we? Well, it's, it's the body of Christ, but it's bigger than that. Here's the secret as well. Verse 9 again. Having made known us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in himself, as he, you know, he chose to do it, okay, it was his choice, and he purposed it in himself. He didn't uh, do it any other way, but here's, here it is, verse 10. That in the dispensation of the fullness of times, a different dispensation. Today is the dispensation of the grace of God, but there's going to be another dispensation in the future called the dispensation of the fullness of times. It's the idea of when it's all complete, which means that right now it's incomplete. Okay. You know, does God ever create anything incomplete? So in the beginning, when God created the universe, heaven and earth, right, was it incomplete? But it became incomplete. A problem came about, and it actually happened before Adam. Now, Adam, the results of what Adam did plunged the universe. God cursed, really, the universe, all right? The bondage of corruption became an issue, all right? But before that, there was a problem. Man become, is, is a completion scheme. There was a problem. He created the angels, right? We're going to look at that, Genesis created them, but then a problem happened, and some of those angels lost their, their state. Their state. Yeah, they lost their union with Christ, or with God, Christ, right? They, they no longer are part of the program, right? No longer part of the program, so God needs to get rid of those. But for some reason, and, and, and they're usually, it's pretty clear what it is, you know, God has ordained the powers of be, he created this principalities and powers, how to run the show, and those incomplete, those individuals who have separated themselves because of sin, sin separates, right? They're no longer in union, right? In fact, they are anti, against, right? In fact, they're going to have a leader one day, he's called Antichrist, right? He's, you know, the devil, okay? He's going to indwell that guy, right? But anyways, they're, they're separated. The body of, you know, so man came into play to fix the problem, Right? Okay. 
Israel is part of that solution. The body of Christ is part of that solution. And that's what this says right here. Ephesians 1, verse 9, verse 10 says, That in the dispensation of fullness of times, he might gather together one and all in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are, what? On earth, even in him. That in the dispensation of fullness of times, he's going to gather together, one, all things. All right? And those all things are really the authority. We just talked about it on the previous study. The authority of the universe, principalities and powers, right? You know, th th those things, all those things, both which are in heaven, right? That's going to be through the body of Christ. And which are what? On earth, even in him. Well, the mystery deals with the heavenly places, right? It's the rest of the story. Without the mystery, this kept secret portion, if you look at what God's plan is, it only deals with the earth, right? The, where's the kingdom going to be? forever on the earth, right? And, and even the book of Revelation, you know, Christ, God, God the Father comes down on the earth, right? In the, in the dispensation of fullness of times, New Jerusalem comes down on the earth forever, right? The millennium's about the earth, right? The tribulation's about the earth. It's just stuff in the middle after the cross somewhere until the rapture that makes no sense, right? makes no sense. It's not doesn't fit what God's been saying since Genesis 1.1. It doesn't make any sense. And the reason is it's a new revelation. It's not built upon any foundation, well, not built upon any, any actions of the past, you know, in reality. It's a new thing, all right? It's, it's, not, it's not some extra working, you know, add the Gentiles to the Israel and continue on. It's something totally different. But, you know, and by, but verse 11 goes on to say this, right? So both in heaven, which on earth, the twofold purpose of God, the eternal purpose of God is to gather everything on the earth and gather everything in the heavens in Christ. And the problem and, and the issue is it's not that way right now. Well, you know that on the earth, right? You can see that, right? Well, guess what? It's the same way in the heavens. You know, not where God's at, the third heaven, but in the universe, this universe has a problem, and man has been placed there to, you know, as part of the, as, as the solution. Of course, it's Christ going to be doing it through man, but that's, that's what's going on. Verse 11, in whom also, talking about the body of Christ, we have obtained what? An inheritance. We also have an inheritance, right? And that inheritance, by definition, has to be different than Israel's inheritance. If I took, I mean, if, if I gave Brittany a big inheritance, and then I took that inheritance and gave it to somebody else, you don't have an inheritance anymore. Even if I took part of that inheritance, I've taken some of yours and given it to somebody else, right? That's a problem, right? That's not, you know, I've given it to somebody else. And so I've taken from you and given it to another, right? This inheritance is different. And that's what Paul's saying, verse 11, in whom, and I think the most important word in verse 11 is the word also, all right? In whom also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestinated according, as predetermined by God's intention, according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will, that we should be the praise of his glory who first trusted in Christ. We have, a, we have an inheritance in the future. We have something different than Israel's. The, you know, Israel's inheritance is defined. You can see it. It's, you know, all through the, it's come step after step after progressive revelation through the Old Testament. You move along and, and you have this, you know, 
Israel, the kingdom, David, 12, you know, 12 thrones, 12 tribes. You see it, right? Up through the millennium, you see it, right? And you see it continue into the new heaven and the new earth, which is the dispensation of the fullness of times. Go to Ephesians 2. We know right now that there's a problem, right? Verse 1 says, And you who hath he quickened. By the way, the book of Ephesians talks about the bigger story, right? It talks about the bigger story, right? which everybody ignores outside this church, probably. Okay? So I, th I think we talk about it, but it's not talked about much. And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. And that's very personal, right? We've been made alive. Okay? Where in time past you walked according to the course of this world. All right? According to who? The prince, the power of the air. He runs the show. Right? The spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. He's the driving motivation. Boy, if you don't see that today, you ain't watching anything. Okay? You must be living in a hole somewhere. No media, no television, whatever. Okay? Verse 3 says, among whom, by the way, Paul says, we've all been part of that. We're part of that. We've all been underneath that control. Among whom also we all had our conversation, our manner of life in times past, in the driving actions of our, of our, of our, of our, of our flesh, but in, the, in, times of the, yeah, in times past, in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children wrath even as other. But God, who is rich in mercy, with great love where he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, has quickened us together with Christ. By grace you are saved. And then notice, and hath raised us up together, and here's where we're going to serve, right? And made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So when's that going to happen, or how, you know, how long is that going to be? You know, uh, you know, those things we're going to be, we're, we're going, we, we, in, 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 our, in the situation, it's past tense, so I mean, God's already sees us there in, the, in those positions and those authority. But verse 7 says that, here's the purpose, I remember, you know, Uncle Ernie, Pastor Colt, you say, here's the purpose clause, all right? Here's, a, I think Stuart does it too, sometimes too, right? And, and that in the ages to come, here's the purpose, that in the ages to come, the ages that go on and on and on and on, not just one age, there's multiple ages, right? Let's name them. Tribulation's an age, a period of time. Millennium's a period of time, okay? The new heaven and new earth's a period of time, all right? Those ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness towards us through Christ Jesus. God's going to continue to shower us with his favor, right? Where are we seated? In the heavenlies, right? You know, understanding, you know, so what, you know, why does everybody, I mean everybody, that's, out, you know, that's, that's probably not like us, you know, why is it we go up and we come back down? Because that's what they do. You go up at the rapture, maybe. Yeah, maybe you, maybe you skip the tribulation, then you come back down with the saints, with Christ at the second coming. Right? Some have you, they'll, they'll skip the millennium too. They'll go up, go across the millennium, and then you come back to the earth during the new heaven and new earth. Well, the reason is because we don't know the bigger story. There's, there's something going on in the heavens. The heaven requires, God has required that he has a creation that's installed in positions of authority forever. Right? We're going to be we're going to be reigning with him forever in those positions of authority. He's for all those ages, right? Go over to Ephesians chapter four. Why not? We'll do it. every chapter talks about it in some fashion. Verse four. There is one body and one spirit, even to call it one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is above all and through all and in you all. We have one hope. Right? As a body, we have one, one, one 
one confident expectation. That's the rapture. We're going to be taken out and being with him, right? We're, uh, and, and we're one body, right? right? So, and and, and we're, we're, we're here for a purpose. Down in verse uh, uh, 30, verse 30. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you're sealed until when? The day of redemption, when we're, we're caught out, we're, we're caught out, receive our new body, right? Chapter 5, verse, uh, I don't know, let's go to verse uh, 9. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth, proving what is, uh, you know, proving what is acceptable unto the Lord, right? I should have stepped back to verse 8. For you were sometimes, what? Darkness, darkness but now you are light in the Lord. By the way, that's important to catch that because that's Genesis 1. Walk as children of light, right? For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth, proving what is the acceptable unto the Lord. By the way, if you notice, there was a parenthesis around verse 9, right? So let's pull that verse 9 out and let's read it this way again. For you, are sometimes, for you were sometimes darkness, but now you're a light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, proving what is acceptable unto the Lord. Okay. And have no fellowship with what? The unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. There's a, pro, there's a program of darkness going on, right? There's the works of darkness, and then there's the work of light, right? You're going to see it in Genesis 1. Okay. Uh, down in verse 14, you know, so we need to wake up, right? Wherefore, he saith, Awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ should give thee light. You know, you want to have light to walk? Here you go. See then you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because what? The days are evil, all right? Why the evil? It's not because of just sin in the world, right? Okay, that's not, there's something bigger than that, right? There's the devil and all those things, right? Uh, down in uh, verse 25, right, this goes back to the book of Genesis, right? Husband, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the, uh, by the word, that he might present it to himself, what? A glorious church, not having spot nor wrinkle nor, or any such thing, but it should be holy and without blemish. We're going to be presented to God the Father as a holy church, right? Down in verse uh, 31, for this cause... For this cause, well, verse 30 says, For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. We're, un we're in union with Christ. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother, and shall be joined unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. This is a great mystery. Um, what's the great mystery? Paul says, but what I speak concerning what? Christ and the church. We are in union with, with Christ, just like what was set in place back in Genesis 1 with the husband and the wife. Right? There is a purpose for the husband and the wife. Right? The, there's the help meet. Right? There's, there's that purpose. We are part of that. Verse chapter 6, six very clear. Maybe you didn't catch all that from me, from me but this, you know, the issue is there's a, there's a link back to Genesis. There's a link to, the, and the mystery, picking the bigger picture, is there's a heavenly part of that. And understanding our future helps if we understand why the mystery, you know. Why did God keep it secret? Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Verse 10. Put on the whole armor of God, then you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Well, why? Well, we, we wrestle. We wrestle against, not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. People struggle thinking about the fact that there's, you know, where do most people think the devil's at? In hell. Right. 
Okay, right? Well, he's not. He's in heaven. Not the third heaven, but he's in heaven. He's the prince of the power of the air. He's the God of this world, right? He's out and about. Peter says he's out you know, in the, in the you know, He's out and about running around, right? Yes. He's a roaring lion, yeah, going after things, right? So a lion trying to devour. Verse 13, Wherefore take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to, to, able to withstand in the evil day, which is right now, because these, these days are evil, right? It's not some future day. It's right now. And having done all to stand. Yeah, the, the, mist, you know, the book of Ephesians talks about you know, the, the centerpiece of the body of Christ. And the body of Christ has a purpose that if we understand you know, the truth of the mystery, the, the bigger picture, there's a reason why it's important. It's not, you know, you know, it's, you know, we, we understand it's important because if God didn't keep it secret, Christ would have never, gone to, you know, never, never had the opportunity to go to the cross to take care of sin, right? But because of the cross, we, ha we have this hope, right? And, but, and, but understanding the mystery, well, you can get a clear understanding of why we have this eternal, we're always in the heavens. There's no confusion. It makes, it, it, understanding the, you know, the, what, that God you know, has a purpose, it's a heavenly purpose, right? we'll explain why, why the rapture. What? You don't need to go through the tribulation. Okay, you know, the, you know, we're delivered from that. Because the tribulation is purely a function of the 70th week of Daniel, which is something that's related to Israel and, the, and to the earth. We're not part of that. That's not our purpose. It's not what God has planned for us. He has predestinated us, it says in Ephesians 1, verse 11, or uh, verse, yeah, to, to an inheritance, and that inheritance is in the heavenly places. It gives a lot of clarity to future things. It gives a lot of clarity right now, right? It's just, you know, it, it, so really understanding it, okay? It also helps you understand the book of Genesis if you understand the mystery, right? So understanding what's happening in Genesis 1 will, and, will, and 2 and 3, if you understand what God's doing now, you'll understand that. And if you understand the book of Genesis, you will understand the dispensation of the fullness of times, right? Because that's, you know, so if you think about it, in which dispensation will you spend the most time? The dispensation of fullness of times. So you should know something about it, right? This is the dispensation of the grace of God. It's going on for about 2,000 years, right? You have experienced it for, I'm, I'm on 60 years now, right? Right? Maybe longer because you know I was you know I was in my parents and my parents were in their parents right you know that's you know we're all in Adam so you back it up we've all been under grace and grace by the way is how God operates in all dispensations all right it's just that today the functional the the operational schematics how God interacts with mankind is grace not wrath you know not you know not uh, not uh, Focusing on a man or something like that. It's, it's, it's grace to all, right? Uh, unsaved and saved function under the same grace, right? You, get, they, you access it, they don't, right? God's grace. He's at peace with us today. Go back to Genesis 1. I know we don't have time, but I'll, we'll start there. Oh, we have a couple minutes? All right. You are very gracious today, Marcia. She's going on vacation. <laughs> yeah, she's going on vacation. She's going on vacation. <laughs> All right. So, 
All right, so I, uh, I got these new markers and I'm not gonna get a chance to use them. So Danny brought me, bought me some markers. I have no excuse now for my writing. So we'll have to see what happens. So, uh, so in, in Genesis, so I, I did want to, you know, so th this book of Genesis, all right, um, it's attacked, it's hated in, in, in the world, right? Yet, you know, Lord Jesus, I mean, the Lord Jesus Christ quotes from it significantly, I mean, I think 60 times uh, from the book of Genesis, and he, t he accepts it as fact, as, as act, you know, as, as truth, all right? And uh, so if, you know, I don't need anybody else other than that to tell me it's the word of God and that the actions, the things that are there are true. He talks about Adam, he talks about you know, sin, he talks about husband and wives, you know, the institution of marriage. These are God-ordained things that, are, that you find in the book of Genesis. So we're gonna work our way through it. But, but okay, so I'm gonna take what I just told you in the book of Ephesians and apply it to the book of Genesis, all right? That is, what is God doing today, according to Paul? and then compare it back to the book of Genesis, because it gives you a different interpretation of Genesis 1, right, than what most folks say, right? Genesis 1, 1. In the beginning, God created what? The heaven and the earth. I'm gonna tell you right now, it was complete, right? Okay, and, and, and folks wanna make, and I, I, I don't know where you're at in this camp. Uh, I know that where Aaron's at, they're very against this thinking, okay, but uh, there, there's a lot, lot against it. I still, by the way, I believe in a seven-day creation. Just boom, six days and so literal six days, seven days. So just so I think it's still there. It's just different, right? And so in, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And then what folks want to do is make verse two is this is how God did it then, right? And the earth was out form and void and darkness upon the face of the deep. And the spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters, right? I have multiple problems with that passage if it has to do with what God's doing. First, where did the darkness come from? Yeah, well... If, if, if we're, I agree, all right. However, where, you know, if this, is, if this is a description of how verse one was done, why was there darkness? Why was there something that was without form and void, incomplete, and then somehow came to completion? Because God doesn't create anything incomplete, right? As, as there, you know, that's evolution stuff. Right, that's, that's, that, that's that story, right? God creates things whole, complete, functional, perfect. That's what God does, right? That's what the rest of scriptures say, right? That's not what, but most want to take this as, here's a description for it. So, and then the darkness, you know, in God, in Christ, there is no dark. He is light, right? The darkness comes from another source, right? So let's go back to verse one again. And so what I say is you have a linear interpretation here. That, you know, this is not like, boom, and then let's go back and see what happens. This is Genesis 1-1 is something, and then there's a pro something, and then there's something, and there's something, and there's something. Okay, that's, so I'm going to go linear. What, what, what folks do is take Genesis 1-1, all right? Then you go Genesis 1-2, and then on, say, to end of 2. This explains this, all right? And what I'm saying is, no, Genesis 1-1's an event, Genesis 1-2's an event, Genesis 1-3's an event, it goes in order. Now you get to ch chapter two, and then there's a, oh, here's, there's, a, there's a summation, there's a discussion about stuff that happens. But Genesis 1 is a linear you know, storyline. So Genesis 1-1, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, and it was perfect, all right? When was that? 
Well, if you listen to Pastor Culp, the, the words in the beginning is toho boho. Well, well, sorry. In the beginning, God created heaven and the earth. Is, 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 well, I'm sorry. Toho boho is verse 2. In the beginning, that was not a beginning. Listen to the, you know, I can hear him ringing in my head. All right. Okay. Okay. So, yeah, that's a, yeah, yeah, that's right. So, yeah, that's right. So it's, it's a, be, a beginning, it's not a beginning because with God there is no beginning, right? But there was a point in time, you know, that was actually before time, before time even existed, because God is without time, he's beyond time. God basically created time. He places in, in, in this, where he exists, he creates, boom, an event. He creates the heaven and the earth. But I'm gonna tell you, there's more than a story. There's a lot of stuff that happened in verse one that the rest of scriptures explain. So in the beginning, this is how it sort of went, all right? God creates, so here's on a line. He creates the heavens. Actually, he creates the heaven, all right, in heaven. So by the way, in the new, by the way, in the new, in the, in the dispensation folds of the times, there's a new what? You know, just a heaven and just an earth. Doesn't say heavens, okay? In the beginning, there's, there's a new heaven and new earth, right? In the beginning, that's in, that's in the dispensation. This is when it's all done, right? This is said and done, fullness of times, right? That's in that period of time. Let me tell you, at that point, if you want to know what the beginning looks like, you can look here, okay? Or you can look there and see what the end's like. Because God creates things complete with intention. So in the beginning, when he created this, he created it complete with intention. So, let's, so there's some, some other events happening. So in the beginning, God creates the heaven, created the heaven and the earth. Well, let's take a look at that. When he created the heaven, there's actually a difference in time between the earth. The earth is second. There is a twofold purpose here. There's heaven and earth, all right? And there's two aspects of this, but there's, there's two things going on. Go to Job 38. I know, I know. I knew, that's what I said. I knew I couldn't do it all, but I'm going to get there. Job 38. So let me show you what happens in verse 1. All right, so God creates the heaven. It doesn't create the earth yet. He creates something else first, which, by the way, is important for you to understand, and I'd understand related to the mystery. Because when he creates these angels, is what he's doing, all right? He has to create the angels. He gives them something to do, all right? And by the way, they're doing it for a while before he creates the earth. I don't know how much time. But take a look. Job 38, verse 4. The Lord is pounding Job right now, asking him some questions, right? Because Job got a little out of sorts. But verse 4. Where wast thou when I laid the foundations of the earth? Where were you when I created the earth? Okay. Declare if thou hast understanding. Who hath laid the measures thereof, if thou knowest? You know, who was there, you know, sort of, you know, laying out the, the dimensions and the structures for it, right? Okay. He says, or who has stretched the line upon it? Do you ever lay foundation block? You know, you lay block, you stretch a line, basically you're laying, you know, designing it, right? Okay. He says, he said, notice this. He said, so where, wherefore are the foundations thereof fastened? Or who hath laid the cornerstone thereof? And, and, and it goes on to say, when the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God, what? Shouted for joy. Right, so what that tells you is this. So the morning stars, the sons of God, they're angels. Actually, two classes of angels, right? Okay, because it gives them two different names. He said, when they, when they sang together, they rejoiced when God created the earth. Right? So that means he created the heaven. 
So in the beginning, this is Genesis 1.1. He created the heaven. Then he created the angels. All right? And think about this. The angels, at least two classes there. The angels are, are they're in the heavens, and they must be doing something. He just, you know, God creates with purpose, with intention, right? Basically, he's created the authority, the, the various levels of authority in the universe. And those angels are now running the show. They're doing what God's called them to do, right? And then they rejoice when God creates the earth, right? Why'd they rejoice? First, you know, they must have had some experience of why, you know, without it. And then he creates it and they rejoice. Why did, he, why did they rejoice? Because he made it his throne. It's, it's where, you know, what's so important about the earth? Everybody asks that question outside Christianity. The earth's just a little rock in the middle of the universe. You know, not even the middle of the universe, but on the edge of the Milky Way galaxy, right? Out in some little, you know, back, you know, rural area, which tells you where you should live. Okay. <laughs> Stay out of those big city places, right? Where it's all going. You know, anyway. Especially right now, under, when you, if, you get shut, if, you get, if you get shut down or have to stay in your apartment, better be rural. All right? Anyway, so that's, a, that's, a, that's an aside. Uh, but anyways, there had to have been some time passed before this because they were really excited that God created the earth. And why? Well, if you go to, go to the end, what's the, what's the excitement? What's the excitement of, the, of when New Jerusalem comes down to the earth? God's going to dwell with mankind. Well, God's going to dwell amongst them, right? He is going to take, he's, he, he basically places, sit, I, I think he puts a city there. You know, Jerusalem, this new Jerusalem, this heaven, God's city, all right? Okay, he's there with them. Right? And then we have a break, all right? So anyway, so God creates, the, and, and those angels are doing something, right? Some of those angels, according to the mystery, are going to, they've failed, okay? We're, we're going to know there's going to be a problem, and those angels are going to be replaced, all right? Paul doesn't say that, but that's our purpose. We're going to, you know, God's going to take us, and he's going to place us in the heavenlies. We're going to have our own inheritance. It's different from any inheritance on the earth, right? And by the way, things are perfect. There's no problems in Genesis 1.1. God created heaven and earth. It's perfect. It's complete. It's exactly what it should be. However, God knows something. Okay? Paul tells us a lot of things. That back in this period of time, before Genesis 1-2, which Ken pointed out, you got the devil involved here. There's a problem. By the way, the devil's here. He's not the devil here. He's a Lucifer. He's light of the morning. He's, he's a perfect creation. He's God's top creation, and things are just amazing, right? But then there was a problem, and that's where you get here. Mankind comes after that in Genesis, and we're part of the solution, right? But Genesis 1-2, the problem. But here it's perfect. Things have been going on for a long time, right? And they have to, right? Because Satan, actually Ezekiel 28, has a plan. And he shares a plan. You can't do that in moments. So if you take one, two, three, four, five, six days, and you take it from verse one, 
Where's the devil, where do the angels get created? Where's the devil's sin? Because he shows up in the garden just a few days later, right? right? And he's that old serpent, as it talks about in the book of Revelation, right? He's a, he's a, he's a, he's a, he's a bad guy, right? right? So, and he's been bad for a while, right? So there's a, there's a problem. Now, that, when that, you know, I don't think there's a whole bunch of time between Genesis 1-2. In fact, I think Genesis 1-2, God pretty quickly, right after that, verses 3 on, are six days, or seven days, okay, seven days. Because there's a, when, when, as soon as Satan sinned, God stopped it. He dealt with it, right? God deals with actions. Right? I don't know if you know that. I mean, you can sin in your head. You can, right? But God deals with actions, right? Judgment is the things we do, not the things you thought about, right? He doesn't judge your thoughts. He judges your actions. And Lucifer, Satan, was, you know, did God know? In fact, the mystery is all about that. God kept it secret since the foundation of the world. Well, that takes you back into here, right? Okay, in fact, it says, what, in hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie promised before the world began. So back before here, right? So before he created the angels, before he created the heaven, before time, God had other stuff he was doing. As Pastor Culp would say, there was a, there was a, 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 a conference, an eternal life conference, right? If you remember Pastor Culp, you'll, he talked about that a lot. There was something going on before that, and the mystery takes you back before. It takes you back before Genesis 1-1. So what was going on before that? Okay, well, I'll give you a bigger story. It means that God saw all of this. He saw this, and then he saw this, he saw the next stuff and the next stuff, right? He saw what Adam would do, right? He saw what the devil was going to do first, right? He saw it all, right? Anyways, we'll, we'll, we're going to go through Genesis and take a look at that in, in that fashion and see where that heads. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for your love and your grace, for your, for your word and for the blessing of, of it. Thank you, Lord, for your Holy Spirit that touches our hearts and, and, uh, and gives us uh, illumination. And just thank you, Lord, for your great love and your grace. In Christ Jesus' name we pray. Amen.